0: Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co parenting two young boys with her former partner, David.
4: Helping you out of the gray and into the blue. Now, here's Jay Glazer. Welcome in everybody to Unbreakable, a mental health podcast with Jay Glazer. I'm Jay Glazer and I've had a lot of friends in this business that, you know, we get friends through football, friends through fighting, but also we become friends through mental health. We had Terry Brouch on a couple of weeks ago and he's somebody that really was able to open up early and show me it's okay for me to talk about it but somebody else here who led the way as well. And kind of, I would say he was ahead of his time. Played for 13 years in the NFL, six-time Pro Bowler, 21 catches in a game. A good friend of mine, Brandon Marshall, welcome him in. And, B. Marsh, before we were all talking about this, this is like you first came out and and talked about what you were going through in what, 2011,
3: 2013? That's right. Uh, 2011, bro, uh, came out and, you know, told the world, you know, what I was going through, what I was dealing with, Spent three months at McLean Hospital. And it just totally transformed my life and opened up the world. Tell everybody
4: what you said you were. Because I tell everybody I live in something called the Grand. Mine is depression, anxiety, ADD, bipolar. What did you come out and say?
3: Yeah, so I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Uh, the best way to describe that is an emotional disorder, right? Like, you know, you cover sports, fights, the games, right? You You see that emotion, that raw emotion. Well, that's good for ball. But right. it's not great for life. It's not great for business. It's not great for relationships. In between the lines, good. In between the whistles, good. But you got to have a switch. I didn't have the skills and tools to be able to self-regulate. Walk into a bar, then walk into even a meeting room, coach say the wrong thing, person say the wrong thing. I may just fly off out the mouth, right? And then now you find yourself in a bigger situation. So I didn't have the skills and tools to be able to self-regulate. Shit happens. Me and you are both on a Zoom mm-hmm. call. Justin's on his zoom call in the back and you know, we, it's all valid where we feel like, damn, this right. person totally disrespected us. And now do we have the skills to be able to go from a hundred back down to baseline, which is zero? I didn't have that. So I had to take dialectical behavior therapy, self assessment, mentalization therapy, cognitive behavior therapy, one-on-one with the great Dr. Gunderson. But before we even figured out what program I need to put together, I had to do a clinical evaluation. No, first I had to. I had to want the help. Right, okay? right, right. Right. You're like, listen, there was five years, those first five years, you covered me. It was like Brandon Marshall again, Brandon Marshall again. I didn't, I, I thought it was everybody else's fault. I thought it was Josh McDaniel's fault. I thought it was this person's fault, that person's fault. And it wasn't until I looked at myself in the mirror and said, no, how do I contribute to this, this is when things totally changed. And I, I wanted to help. And then that first, the first thing I did was a clinical evaluation right? That's where we came up with the diagnosis of borderline personality disorder, BPD, and then also neurological evaluation. Sometimes people got things going on in their head that Mm -hmm. is chemical or they may not even be capable of changing. So I did that. And then I spent three months, man, um, in an outpatient program. And I did it every single day, Monday through Friday, nine to five. That became my campus, you know, all of the clinical books and Patient books became my playbook, and it was the year of the lockout. So I had the opportunity mm. uh, to just take off the whole offseason. I moved my whole team up there, trainers, chef, everybody up there, and I just went all in. And that's a whole other conversation because, right. you know, I was making $10 million at the time, all right? And it was costing me almost $50,000 a month to get the help I needed. pay right. paid for the treatment, have my, my support team up there to stay on task for business and the football mm. season. And, uh, the average person can't afford that.
4: Right. Yeah. That's they can't even
3: a- afford to take a day off.
4: Right. No doubt. And that's so hard. That's, it's so hard to, to navigate. But I think you, you just hit on the head. first thing is wanting help. And same for me. Like I'm paranoid with, with my depression, anxiety, my gray. So I always think it's somebody else or man, somebody else has, has it out for me or somebody else has something against me or the universe is against me and it's not true. So you got to want the help. But again, I'm talking about it now. What I want to do by writing my book, Unbreakable is to give mental health words. We talk about it, but not enough people give it words. I want to give it words so we can have these conversations. But back then, there were no words. There was no conversation. What gave you the courage to be one of the first to come out and talk about it? Because that would have
3: been scary. Bro, this is a question that people ask me, and I'm sure they ask you all the time. We're kind of getting really emotional. I wish you, like, fucking goosebumps, tears in my eyes right now, man. Because, you know, even you saying unbreakable, you wanted to put words to it. I wanted to put a face to it. Hmm. So in 2011, I said, it's time for us to put faces on it. Now Man, we're... goosebumps st- from that. Bro, but, but here's the thing, that, and this is why I got goosebumps and I'm gonna answer your question. Bro, that was one of the hardest things we probably both did to the world, you know, standing up and saying like, hey, diagnosed with depression, anxiety, right? PTSD, borderline personality disorder, all of that stuff. I didn't think twice about it. When I was at McLean Hospital boy, I walked in that first day. I was so broken. Man, I didn't know I didn't even know I was hurting. I was so broken. And then a month and a half in, halfway through, my my world totally transformed. Everything clicked for me. And I went from one person to another person. I couldn't believe that I was experiencing this. And right in that moment, I wanted everybody else to experience this. Because I knew, you know, 320 million Americans, give or take a few that there was probably like 100 million Americans also living with this, but not getting the help they needed or couldn't even afford it. So that's, for, for me, it was very selfless. Right. I said, fuck, I got to go talk about this. I want to share my story. Not even knowing, not even thinking about the stigma around it, not thinking about teams may devalue me because right. now I'm saying I have diminished capacity, right? right. So I, I'm answering the question because you probably, you you're probably in that same situation. It's like, man, this is powerful shit. And I just want to help people. And you ain't think about it. The same thing Mm -hmm. for me, which to me, when I hear people like you, your stories, you know, and there's others out there, it's like, those are warriors. Those are Mm -hmm. champions because there's a lot of people that's, that's done, that's dealt with things, but never stood up and shared their story because they were too afraid. Right. The reason why I love this topic right here is because, you know, it's hard to define what that is like. You tell me, I don't know. You tell me, what was it for you? Like for me, I didn't even think about it. one of the things that helps me. And I write about this a lot. And I talk about it a lot. One of
4: the things that helps me through my gray to see some blue is being of service. So people say to me all the time, man, you're so brave for talking about this. And I go, no, it's not brave. Like this is me being of service, right? This is me giving words. So I kind of got excited also, but also for me, it was therapeutic for me. To finally come out and, and explain to the masses and, but more so to my friends, man, this is why I act like this. Right. And, and I wrote a line in my book. It's a hard line to write, but I said, being friends with Jay Glazer is hard mm. because of what my mental health illnesses and, and issues. And I, don't, I shouldn't say, I don't, I like, I don't like to call them illnesses. I like to call them things we've overcome, but, mm. um, I wanted to. Almost take the cap off to show my friends who stuck by with me all these years and seen the outbursts and seen the stuff I've done at night. And man, after a night of taking too much Viking and drinking too much to get through that fucking gray and having all sorts of issues and fucking letting my hands loose when I should not be doing shit like that. Um, or why I snap on people or why all of a sudden I call someone and think, man, why are you against me? Or why is this happening? Or why is the sky falling? Like people knew I was crazy. And that's a badge of honor in football and fighting. But they didn't mm-hmm. know what kind of pain I was in. This wow. allowed me to show them what kind of pain I was in. Almost like a thank you for sticking by me. I'm getting choked up talking about it. But it was wow. almost like a thank you to you for sticking by me for as difficult as, it, as this makes us.
3: Right. You know? uh, it's powerful, man, because when I knew I needed help, I was actually on the field training with one of my dear buddies, Mike Sims-Walker. He's playing for the Jaguars. And the whole workout, we were just arguing, yelling. Now, this is a guy that was my roommate in college at the University of Central Florida. So this is like my brother, brother. Okay, we've been through everything together. So we both make it to the NFL, got the world at our fingertips. And now we find ourselves in this off-season session down in sunny South Florida. And we're going through the freaking ladder drills. And the whole time, bro, he's like, I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are. You different. You change. You different. You change. And I'm looking at him like, he crazy. Like what are you talking about? And it wasn't until a couple months later where I finally realized that I was suffering. Didn't even know I was suffering. It I was changing, even though I was changing. So for you to say like it was a, a thank you to your friends sticking by you, like now I I'm sitting down with those same friends of mine that was there from day one, and I say it all the time. Like I was such a terrible friend, right? Like I didn't know. I didn't even know how to be a friend. You know, right. I didn't even know what I was dealing with. And. And, and couldn't give you guys any advice how to help me. I wasn't even t- expressing myself to you guys. That's a big thing, bro. And, and, and I know why you're getting choked up, man, because um, it's so relational. When you go through certain things, uh, a lot of times yeah. it's taken out on the people that are the closest to you. You know, it could be wife. It could be children. It could be your best friend. It could be yeah. your mom, your dad, your brothers and sisters. And it's painful. It's like, man, I fucking love this pe- these yeah, people.
4: It's the shame and it, it gives us shame. And that's that's what a lot of people go through also. The shame that we feel after is, man, just as dark as the gray itself. Am I
3: allowed to curse? Fuck yes. You who are you talking <laughs> to here. <laughs> he said, <laughs> I don't know How if, long have you known no, me? You're, you're a fucking guy too. You know, you, you play both sides, so I don't Fuck know no. on, I don't know if this I don't know if the unbreakable podcast is <laughs> on Yeah. The... <laughs> I don't change,
4: man. You know me. The only time I don't curse when that red light's out on a Fox NFL Sunday. Fuck it. I let loose.
3: <laughs> I love it. No, this is good, man. I appreciate you so much, man, creating this space. You're a pioneer in this space. It's kind of cool, Jay, uh, seeing all the athletes, entertainers, prominent men and women, even influencers now, use their platforms and talk about anxiety. And depression, I guess I got a question for you. When did you notice that change, right? Because when you and I were talking about these things, you were talking about uh, putting words to it, me putting faces to it. You know, it it was still really taboo. Now it seems like it's a badge of honor. Now it seems like it's trendy, you know, for people to stand up and say, oh, no, I deal with anxiety or depression. Right. 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 And feel really good about doing it. When did you see that shift?
4: I didn't tell anyone that I had panic attacks, anxiety attacks. Every time I've ever been on TV, even scripted shit like Ballers, which you know, again for me is kind of weird that that would happen because I'm great in chaos, I suck in calm, right? So mm. I'm great in a cage, I'm great on TV, I'm I'm fine, but man, something happened to me in 2005 where it happened and it became habitual. Every single time I've ever been on TV for the first segment, it's just it's weird. So a couple things: one, when I described it and told everybody what it feels like to have an anxiety attack. I can't tell you how many people in the TV world said, oh, my God, that's what it is. Oh, thank you. I've had the same thing. Thank you. And all these people like I used to think I was having a heart attack instead of a panic attack because we didn't know what, only in 2005, what the fuck an anxiety attack was. And we talked about it back then. So for years, I just had to suffer in silence. But ever since I've I've talked about it publicly and I started doing mental health checkups on on my Instagram, social media, now here on this podcast. And then writing the book and doing these interviews, there is not a week that goes past. I'm going to try and keep it together here, too, where somebody doesn't say thank you. You you saved my life by talking about this. And, man, I have grandmothers now saying, you've given me the words for the first time in 80 years to talk about this to my family. I didn't know what to say. So here's the coolest one, though. Coolest one. We had a guest on this podcast a couple weeks ago named Keith Madden. Keith was on the way to Hilton Head, South Carolina to kill himself. And he took a wrong turn and ended up at a target. And my book was sitting right there. And he, he was planning to do it on the third day that he was in Hilton Head. So he picked up some supplies, and, and, and including my book. And he read Unbreakable. And he said he read almost all of it in day two. By the morning of day three, there's no longer any reason for me to kill myself. And I packed up and went home. and. Wow. He has since bought a bunch of books and I've sent him a bunch of free books too and handed them out to people. But he's now telling his story openly. And I got a message from him yesterday, yesterday in tears that a woman, a stranger, walked up to him and said, excuse me, are you Keith Madden? He said, yes, I am. She said, oh my God, thank you. You saved my life.
3: Wow.
4: Oh my God, dude. So that's someone, and I tell people all the time, like man, we got to stick around because you never know what lies around next Tuesday. Where man, on next Tuesday, something great will happen for you. And Tuesday for me was when I finally got my first job. But you never and know. It, and if he had completed that, his his what he set out to do, that woman wouldn't be alive right now. That's why we got to stick around. That for me, like Mar- B Marsh, I'm now getting yes. these every week, and that that is making this me want to talk about it even more and and That's- connect with the world. <laughs>
3: That's life's work, bro, and Why, the, that's life's work right there and it, and the coolest thing about it is that that just showed the power of telling your story. so you tell your story, but you don't you don't even know how many others you are touching, right so Keith, he hears your story, reads your story, boom, and now he starts to share his story, and now this this lady is here today. And now she's going to open up and tell her story, right? Right, and she's going to impact people in the same way, right? And that's why, bro. In 2011, when I stood there, it was in Dolphins camp, and everybody's like, "All right, what the, where's where's Brandon been?" I What's going to them. After he going to respond, and I, and I and I just stood up and I said, "Listen, the last three months, I've been at McLean Hospital. I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. You know, it really touched me. I've learned a lot." And this is actually my life's work. I want to walk the halls of Congress. I want to put faces to it. I want to have these conversations at the dinner table, in the schools, in in in, in, in corporate America. It's time to do that, right? And when I stu- when I when I when I walked off that podium, Jay, I had a, a teammate pull me to the side, right? And and you know this teammate, very powerful person, awesome athlete. Pull me to the side, whispers in my ear bro, I live with bipolar disorder. Thank you for telling your story. Yeah, yeah. Jay, I thought it was yeah. cool, but I was also pissed off and sad because here I am standing in front of the whole world. Bro, they live streamed this. Like I never had a live stream press conference. this. <laughs> it was on all NFL network. It was on ESPN. It was everywhere. And so I just told the world, definitely the sports world, what I was dealing with and what I wanted to do moving forward. And I was bold. I was strong. That's why I'm saying courage. That's why when I got goosebumps, when you talked about it earlier, as far as like what made you, you know, stand up and tell your story. It's like, bro, I I don't know. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I think it's something in our DNA, right? Because it's, it's scary. And I understand why it's scary because of the stigma around it and how people perceive you and how people treat you after. But so boom, I'm talking to him. I'm like, I just told the world this and no one was around us. And he had the whisper in my ear because he wanted to make sure he protected that and nobody heard it. And I was like, this is why we need to continue to tell stories. And this is why, you know, uh, it's important for us to do this because people are scared to open up. But and, I get and, it. Yeah.
4: And we're in the majority. And our job is to show people that we're in the majority. I think people, especially nowadays, where how much social media fucks with everybody and what COVID did to everybody having to socially isolate. I think we're in the majority of those who are going through, if not depression, anxiety or both or something, it's just, it's different. Our brains are different nowadays. How much we're sitting there looking down on our phones and it's just taking up our waves and our, our brains are working differently. And we're comparing ourselves to everybody else's filtered fraction of a second of their Facebook post or Instagram post. And it's fucking not real. It's too much, too much stress and pressure I, I want to ask you this, because I just gave you my a moment for me this week that was like, wow. And you and you kind of gave me one also right here. But give me, like, one of the coolest moments that happened for you since you've come out. Because here's the thing, too. Look at – I want people here to understand this also. Brandon and I have been friends for a long time. We sat there on the Rams field this year in training camp. We didn't talk football. This is all we talked about. And we were so excited to talk about this and share with each other. And I think that when people open up now about this, it makes their relationship so much stronger, right? It makes our bonds, it makes our conversations so much deeper and and a relationship just so much stronger. You
3: know why? Um, The reason why is because when you sit there with depression or you sit there in anxiety, bipolar disorder, substance abuse, all of that stuff, you almost feel like it's just you. And then what happens when you lean in and you say, Yo, I'm actually depressed or I'm dealing with this or I'm learning about this. You know what they say? Me too. Me too. Right. Right. Like that whole, like that me too is so powerful, but it's, it's for so many other communities. Right. And in our community, that's why I gave those numbers, 320 million Americans. Mm. And for every one, it touches five to six. If you do the math, that's almost a hundred million Americans living with something. Mm. So it's powerful, bro. Yeah, and and yeah. so. You know, yeah, I know where you were going.
4: Yeah, give, give me a story that for you that something somebody said to you, you're like, holy shit. I just, wow, I can't believe I changed someone's life like this.
3: Right. So uh we launched our nonprofit and uh, we launched our nonprofit uh that year, 2011. So we started doing some work. Oh, some what? what's, what's it called? Project 375. Okay. Project 375, but we morphed into House of Bath, more for-profit. Mm-hmm. Um, creating our own revenue to uh, give back to the community in a different way. We can talk about that another time. But yeah. um, so we launched our nonprofit, and our work is is really built around prevention and intervening early, right? And so we go around teaching signs and symptoms. 2005, like you said, we didn't know what a panic attack was, right? right? A lot of times it presents itself as a heart attack, so people think they're dying. So mm-hmm. boom, what what is that? Okay, let's identify it, and then once we identify what do we do, right? How do we help someone through a panic attack? So our nonprofit goes around teaching this globally. Okay, love it. Love um, it. all of this stuff. So we go out to Seattle and and we're sitting down with the school district out there, and um, you know we go through this training with just administration, teachers, support staff, all of that, and some parents. And we talked about you know uh, suicide, like if you. If you if you know that a kid is suicidal, you know, here's the steps that you need to take after, right? But it first starts with just asking somebody, are you suicidal? Are you contemplating suicide? We're we're scared to use that sure. word. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, uh our our team, you know, teaches, implements our program. Everybody goes off to their worlds, teacher goes in class at the end of his class, he just asks his kids Hey, is anyone suicidal? Please talk to me. Everybody leaves. One kid stays back. Wow. Right? Kid says, yes, I'm actually suicidal. And then so here's a, here's part of the t- the, the programming you, you learn. Okay. Now what to do. Now you're in it. What do I do now? Mm-hmm. And, and, and the teacher asks, he did what he's supposed to do. He said, well, how are you going to do it? How do you plan on doing it? The kid opens up his book bag and it's a, a book bag filled to fill with pills. Mm-hmm. So then. Sits down with the kids, calls in the support and the help. This kid is still here to to this day. So that's one of those powerful. Bravo, love it, right? And then there's so many others, man. Where like you, it's anywhere I go, everywhere I travel, you know, people are talking to me about two things now: mental health and my podcast. That is it, and they're literally breaking down the tears. I remember being in Vegas at a big fight. And a family from Chicago walks up to my wife and I, and it's like two in the morning. We had some drinks, and we're like, "Who the hell is this walking up to us?" It's kind of awkward, like tearing up. And it's this family, probably white family, probably like fifty years old, fifty-five years of age. And they're like, "You saved my daughter's life," mm-hmm. and it's like, and I'm like, "Oh man, you know, so yeah. thankful and all that." It's like, no, no, you need to understand this. You you saved my daughter's life. She went on YouTube and Google borderline personality disorder she was suicidal she's about to take her life she saw your message and she's still here to this day so there's a thousand of those right yeah. so to your point and it's so powerful man
5: hey fam i'm simone Boyce. i'm danielle robay and we're the hosts of the bright side a daily podcast from hello sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here,
4: It's every week, man. It's just great. And it's it's just, you know, it's amazing that the thing that we feared the most and that hurt us the most is now giving us the most joy. The last line of my book was, for years, I felt I was cursed with depression, anxiety. Now, for the first time ever, I feel like God blessed me with depression, anxiety. (laughs)
3: Yes. (laughs) Right? Because like that book, like you just said, you tell your story, but we're putting things in a world that's going to forever be, and it's always going to touch someone. So this podcast, video, the audio, the book, you put it out there, and you never know, because people are out there searching this stuff. Right. And then it's people that you never look at eye to eye and shake their hands, and it's blessing them. So I I feel that, too. It's definitely a blessing, man.
4: And we're still probably 10 years away from where the league actually asked me recently, because I went and talked to the the, um, Seahawks and Vikings both about mental health in the preseason. I did alter the whole USFL, but the league itself, right. The, the league office said to me, Hey, where else can we help? And, and I said, you're probably still 10 years away. You know, you got to make this just like, you know, mental health, like physical health where you have so many trainers for the physical health, you're going to need the same amount of therapists there for the mental health and make it more proactive than reactive. And you are probably still 10 years away But people talking about this now, like, I can't tell you how many people say, They'll, they'll talk to me about what I have. And then finally months later go, okay, me too. Like you said, right. But they're not saying it right there. They're saying it all these months later, they're finally having the courage. So I think we're probably five, 10 years away from it being normalized the same way. And I, I look at therapists like coaches, right? I don't look at it. I try and take away that stigma. So man, yeah. I, I got it. You know, they need to be
3: trained up. These coaches right? need to be trained up. Yes,
4: they do. They need to be trained up. we also need to, realize, hey, if you're going to work on, like, you don't only catch passes when you have the drops, right? You don't only work on speed training when you think you're slowing down. You do it all the time. We need to start doing the mental part of that same proactive approach.
3: Jay, I had the opportunity to, um and I say this humbly, but I had the opportunity to be, you know, the first player to speak, to present to the owners at the owner's meeting, right? So I did that. I remember ago. that. Yeah, yeah. And so when I stepped in, I said, you know, look, I'm doing some cool things on the field, but I want my legacy to be that we change the way we approach mental health as a league. Two things need to happen. Here are the two things. Number one should be mandated that every club has a mental health practitioner on staff. Okay. Mm-hmm. That wasn't, that wasn't the case back then, 2015, 2016. Okay. We end up getting that done, meaning the league as a whole. Right. The second thing, Jay, as to what you said, I, I looked at them and I said, I envision a day, envision a world where you walk into the into the weight room and I have my strength and conditioning coach right here. And then right next to his office is the sports psychologist, right. mental health practitioner, right. mm-hmm. the team, doc, whatever, right there, because now it's on the same level. If you walk into most organizations, what you'll find is the strength and conditioning, uh, the training room, the weight mm-hmm. room is right outside the locker room on the first floor. Then if you go up this to the second right. or third floor next to the janitor's office. In a tiny next, little office. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Next to like, you know what I mean? The yep. marketing department that has four or five cubicles, but people don't go that way. That's where you're going to find the mental health practitioner. No, you need to have it on equal playing yep. field and it needs to be right there. So when I walk in, you don't know if I'm, if I'm working on my mind, my brain, uh, if I'm working on my body, it's all the same, right? So, to your point, that's what we need to do. What I used to do when I was playing for the Chicago Bears and then the Jets, you know, so the Chicago Bears, I went from the Denver Broncos to the Miami Dolphins for two and then to the Chicago Bears for three and then the Jets and the Giants for another three and then I had a cup of tea somewhere else and that was it. But those six years, or six years, bro, where Chicago Bears, you know where I did uh, my one-on-ones with Gail, our, our team doctor? Yeah. In the weight room every That's Tuesday. That's beautiful.
4: So, you so just right there it to on everybody bench, else.
3: I said I'm not going up there. I'm yeah. doing it right here because they need beautiful. to see this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't care what I'm going through, but they need to see that it's okay to do this. But if they don't see me doing this, then they're not going to think it's okay. When I played for the Jets, I would do it every single week in the cafeteria. So now everybody from players to marketing mm-hmm. team to janitors to support staff to grounds crew, they would see me talking to beautiful uh, Doctor Sweets. Right. It's the same, bro. Beautiful. Same. I love that, man. I love, you know, Sean
4: McVay and I were talking about it. And he goes, man, how many, think, how many, how many of my players you think got that? I said, no, 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 no. That's not the question you need to ask yourself. It's B Marshall. What you just said, how many of your scouts, your secretaries, people who work in your lunchroom, your groundskeepers? It's everybody. That's it. If you're going to be a team, it's going to be, it's going to be everybody here. And it's so much more than just that locker room.
3: And then also, let's say here, beautiful, for you did six, that. An- another thirty seconds, bro. Also, it's it's being proactive too. Not everyone has right. to have a diagnosis for right, their life right. to be a living hell. You don't have to have anxiety, depression, or have borderline personality disorder, bipolar disorder for your life to be a living hell. You don't have to. Great so point. these things that we t- we're talking about, all of these skills and tools that we picked up through therapy, is also important for the at-home dad, the at-home mom, the weekend warrior, for uh, the entrepreneur, for the doctor, the nurse, the clinician. Life can be hard. So you need to be proactive when it comes to training your mind and developing your brain, okay? So if we keep saying that life in sport is 80% mental, then why are we spending so much more time and more resources on the physical? Change it. Invest into the physical.
4: And like you're saying, too, it's got to be proactive, Cause it's so reactive nowadays. Normally a mental health professional is getting somebody after the sky's already fallen and that's too late. Right. So exactly to your point, get out ahead of it. And not just when you have the gray of anxiety, depression, we meditation, all go through something
3: meditation, yoga, love it, mind breath for, work. Yes. Breath work. Love it. All of that stuff. All right, I want to shift gears now. Cause you got something
4: exciting that you've launched here. House of athlete plus fill us in. Tell me all about it.
3: Yeah. So you talked about my nonprofit Project 375. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, Jay, you know, I think I, I would like to consider myself a winner. And I want to I want to win big. I never won a Super Bowl, but I feel like my Super Bowls going to come in the mental health space. I want to help bridge the gap in the mental health community. So what I say all that to say, I was so tired of going out there and only raising a couple dollars, putting a year's worth in this event and only bringing in you know, a hundred, two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Now that is big for a lot of people, but for me, when I look at the impact that our platforms can have, and the amount of resources needed for other people, a hundred thousand was just not enough yeah. for me. So I shift gears to a for-profit House of Athlete, and what House of Athlete is is basically Project Three Seventy Five. Because when I was on the campus of McLean Hospital, I truly believe I had the reaction I had, and my life was totally transformed because I leaned into everything. It's not just therapy, talk therapy, and the group therapy. It's also how are you moving if you're training? It's also, you know, are you meditating? It's also, are you recovering? So are you getting, you know, five, six, seven, eight, or nine hours of sleep? What is it? It matters. Mind,
4: mind, body, spirit. Absolutely. It's all
3: of it, man. So I took my 13 years experience of having, like, the best coaches and best gurus around me and put into House of Athletes, which started as a brick-and-mortar facility for, like, Unbreakable, where we have you know, the who's who in there, but we have pro athletes, youth athletes. We have everyone there. But now how do we scale what we're doing at Unbreakable? How do we scale what we're doing at House of Athletes? So I took all of that work that you and I have been doing and the things that we're talking about now shows up a little bit differently for me because it's two different brands, but I put it into this app. So like on Wednesdays, As an athlete, in the off-season, typically it's a recovery day for us. We train Monday, Tuesday, then Wednesday we recover, we jump in the pool. Thursday, Friday we train, then we do some cool stuff on the weekends, right? So on this app, on Wednesdays, we have our mental health practitioners. You can't even train on our facilities (laughs) or even our app. You can't even train on the app or in our facility. We have mental health practitioners, we have meditations, we have group therapy going on, right? Because it's that important. So we totally feel like we're disrupting how we're approaching this whole boutique fitness world. And it's really to get more people to adopt the things that we're, 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 providing from a mental health standpoint. So if athletes are the healthiest people on the planet, my goal is to get more people to adopt our lifestyle. What does that mean? Tom Brady's 45 and look how he's, he's been mm-hmm. through a divorce. He's going through all this stuff. So many things that we don't even know about. And he's still able to perform at a high level. You got Serena Williams. She's perform- She was performing at a high level. You know, you got the LeBron James. Do we think that they don't deal with the things that we right. all deal with, too? So how are they able to perform at a high level? It's because of the routine around them, how they're taking care of their mind, how they're taking care of their body and their spirit. So that's what this is, is, man, is like, here's what the athletes are doing, and here it is for you. I just want people to get results. So how do we get it? Do we Do we sign up at the App Store? You download you go to the App Store? House of Athlete Plus, you got to spell out plus, P-L-U-S. So House of Athlete Plus in the App Store.
4: So then take me through it a little bit. It gives you your workouts, but also it helps you like on those recovery days. It it helps you with that recovery for the body, recovery for the mind.
3: So it's simple. It it seems like it gives you a a blueprint, right? That's what it is. It's simple for me. It's There's a lot of things out there. There's a lot of trends and a lot of fads. And I'm looking at. The Tom Brady's of the world, the Russell Wilson's of the world, uh, the LeBron James of the world. I'm looking at what are they doing to perform on a high level? That's what we all want. So just taking how athletes approach all of that stuff, how you recover, how you train, how you sleep and putting it to one space. Right. This is what athletes are doing Love because there's it. a lot of trends, a lot of fads out there. So that's what the app is. It's it's the fundamentals of health. There's a lot of things that we could be doing from from prescription drugs to drugs to um you know, different forms of, of medicine, like there's, there's so many hospitals out there. But what about the fundamentals? What about just understanding that if you're dehydrated, that performance decreases right. by 25% and it can mess mess you up mentally? Your brain literally just detached from your skull when you're dehydrated. So this because is a lot optimizing of people, people. Yeah, this is optimizing. Because that's the thing. There's a difference between training and training for optimization.
4: There this is you training go. for optimization.
3: Yes. But it's simple stuff like hydrate. A lot of people mm-hmm. are walking, walking around fatigue and, and a mental fog because they're dehydrated. Yeah. But they're not, we're not having that conversation. What about, what about, what about all these people that saying, Oh, team, no sleep and I'm, right. it's grind season. They're only getting three, four hours. That's where your body is recovering and doing yeah. what it needs to do to prepare yourself for the next day. Just fundamentals. Yeah, That's what the athletes do is just lean into the fundamentals.
4: And who better learn from them, a guy like you, who's been through it in so many ways. I love it, man. I love what you're doing. I love what you're doing. Before I let you go, I ask all my guests this. Give me your unbreakable moment. Give me the moment that, man, you went through the deepest, darkest tunnel. It could have broken you, but it didn't. And you came through the other side of that tunnel much stronger as a result.
3: Mm, Man, there's so many. The first one was in college. And I grew up as a superstar, right, like on this pedestal. And then there was three years where I didn't think I was going to make it to the NFL and hit my, my you know, my goals. And I never forget laying in the tub in the ice bath day before the game, body just feeling like crap, mind feeling like crap. And I was just crying, crying my eyes out. Anyways, what I ended up doing is jumping out of that tub, going to the tattoo parlor and getting two stars on my side. One says born, one says die. And that was my way of like coming out of that moment where it's like I may be in some shit right now and that's where I want to be. But I know I was born a star and I'm a dying star. So before every play, every moment uh, on the field, you, you see me tapping my sides and then doing this. And that was me going back to that moment. Like, don't forget who you are and why you're here. There was another moment in 2011 before I went to McLean Hospital when. When my buddy, right, where we're, Mike Sims Walker and I were fighting on the field and he basically like, I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are. Right. And so in that moment of going to McLean Hospital, I was there for three months man. I was sitting there with people who had blood seeping through their arms because they were self harming. There was a young lady named Sasha. We call her Sasha Beer. She was 15 years old. She was in a three East program. She completed suicide. Like I was in some real stuff, man. I was on campus where people was literally walking around talking to themselves and you say, hello, they won't even respond back. You weren't even there dealing with psychosis and so many different things. And that moment, like I could have, my, my life could have went totally left or could have totally, totally right. And then the last moment is right now. Like I'm in probably one of the toughest moments I could ever be in. Right. Maybe even tougher than where I was right. Building this company, entrepreneurship, 89 employees, uh, You know, I invested all the money building apps and building this stuff. Bro, when I tell you I'm dealing with some stuff, I'm dealing with some stuff. But now I have the resources and skills to be able to Mm -hmm. cope with the ebbs and flows of it. So it's tough. I cried two nights ago. Mm -hmm. I cried two nights ago because I I found that there's someone that in my circle from a team standpoint, I got to let go. And it's breaking my heart that I got to let this person go because there's so many other implications to that. And so like, I've probably cried over the last three years, probably six times built in this company, bro. Um, I can't give it all to you yeah. because because I, I'm saving it for my book. Okay, sure, sure. I got it. <laughs> but you just got to yeah. trust me, bro. Yeah. You got to trust me. And, and so, like, now I'm able to deal with it and still perform at a high level because I'm taking care of myself.
4: You know, listen, I started Unbreakable, and then I started a nonprofit called MVP, Emerging Vets and Players, the same year. And having two startups seven years ago, And being the boss, man, it sucks. It's lonely. And I'm not used to being hated. People hate the boss a lot of times. And I wasn't able to handle that. I was not able to deal with that mental health. I couldn't be the common enemy with my mental health issues. And that is still a big struggle for me. So I understand what you're going through. Man, you just got to appreciate what you've done, okay? And appreciate the toil of the climb. Don't worry about, man, where you're going to end up. Just say, man, I'm proud of myself, what I'm doing today. right dude i love you man i appreciate you joining me man this is great always love to see you and and by the way for people don't know brandon played wide receiver but he's not he's a defensive end who somehow (laughs) got got slotted over at receiver i don't know who fucked that one up man but you're
3: not a receiver (laughs) let me ask you this question who wins in the octagon right now me or you
4: oh me absolutely A million percent. Because you know what? Once I start kicking those fucking legs out of yours, you're going to be like, oh, no, 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 I didn't sign up for this shit. I didn't sign up for this. You know, hey, now, and the other part, too, is you're app, you more athletic than me. You're stronger than me. You're bigger than me. But, man, I will just keep coming and coming and coming and coming and take all you got. You go, I didn't sign up for this shit.
6: I didn't sign up for this. I signed up for this
4: motherfucker to go down. I ain't like that, man. No. So you – and you know what? Here's the thing, too. I tell my guys, too. I always tell people, I don't give a fuck if I win or lose I just want the dude across me to go, that fucking sucked. That was ah. the worst thing going against it. So if I take the ego out of it, of the, the loss, right, I just want you to have the worst afternoon you've ever had. That's all I care about.
3: That's powerful. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to that. A lot of athletes can take from that, but that's a whole other podcast. That's a
4: whole other podcast. We'll do it. We'll do it separately, man. When you have me on yours, I'll talk about that.
3: Let's do it. All right. All right.
4: B. Marsh, I love you, dude. I appreciate you so much. Love you, man. Uh folks again i want you to all go and download house of athlete plus spell out the plus when you go to the app store and uh if you haven't already bought unbreakable how i turn my depression anxiety into motivation and you can too it is on sale right now and i appreciate being marsh and everybody else walking this walk together
1: i'm diosa
0: and i'm mala we are the creators of locatora radio a radiophonic novella which is a fancy way of saying a A podcast. podcast